this is weird. Uh, you know, it's apparently so disturbing that it caused Kevin to get choked up the whole thought of me coming up here this morning. Uh, but uh, it's kind of odd to have a preacher sitting in the audience when you're doing his thing for, for a day. And uh, it's, uh, it's no pressure with that. So uh, we're going to try to make the best of this and see how we do. But let's start with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. Thank you for another beautiful day and start to a new year. We pray that you will bless us to have a year that is better than the year before and the one in which we are able to live out the life of Christ and be an example of him to others. Be with us now and may the words we say today be a blessing to those who hear it. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Happy New Year, everybody. Uh, you all look very bright-eyed this morning, as good church people should do on the day after New Year's Eve, so I appreciate that. Uh, it's uh, one of those things that I think that uh, if you did stay up too late, you do have grace this morning, so it's okay. Uh, but it's one of those days that many people are feeling like zombies this morning. They overindulged, they did too much, and they, they feel as if they, they are the walking dead. And today, we want to talk about those who are spiritual zombies and how that can impact the life of the church. And not only that, but how it influences the world around them. The word church comes from the Greek word, it's generally accepted, it comes from the Greek word ekklesia, which means those who are called out. It appears in the Bible about 120 times, all in the New Testament. There is no mention of the word church in the Old Testament, but roughly 120 times in the New Testament. And the first time it appears is in Matthew 16, 18, when Jesus at uh, Caesarea, Philippi, Caesarea Philippi talks to Peter and says, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. A verse that we all are very familiar with. From there, Peter took that, and we move on to Acts 2, where on the day of Pentecost, the church was established. And in that time, if we go down to verse 42, we see that it was a remarkable gathering of people, people who were filled with the Spirit, people who were touched, who loved being with each other, who broke bread with each other, who celebrated with each other, who wanted to spend time with each other, even if it wasn't Sunday morning. And it was a group of people who were so full of spirit that they sold their possessions, sold their goods to help others. And I wonder today if non-believers and those who are outside church, as they look upon this, do they see that kind of joy? Because it was so infectious at that time that thousands of people became members of the church that day. And for many days afterward, more and more people came. We don't see that happening today. So we want to talk a little bit about what that means and what the implications of that are. But first we want to talk about a little bit about some of the, uh, the statistics that go with these, these, these situations today. Uh, Gallup organization, the polling organization, over the past 70 years has done a polling question where they ask Americans, uh, are they members of a church? And for the first time in 2020, for the first time in the 70 years they've taken this, this, this poll, fewer than 50% of Americans said that they are a member of a church. 
num the number now is down to 47%. And if you dig a little deeper, there are even more disturbing stat statistics that come out of this. 22% of people say they always attend church every week, but 31% of people say they never attend church. And the rest of the people either attend seldomly or attend sometimes, but that is a kind of amazing number when you put it in perspective, that almost a third of people say they never attend a religious service during the course of a week. And what's even more confusing about that is that there are those, there, another poll that says that 37% uh, of people say they feel they are very religious, but apparently they feel religious but don't need church. And on top of that, we have 21 people, 21% of people, one out of five people who say that they uh, have no religious affiliation whatsoever, that they are not connected to any religious body. That's one in five people. So if you go out into the world, see five people, one of them has no religious, or no religious affiliation whatsoever. And that is the situation writ large, but if you drill down to our tribe, the Churches of Christ, those numbers are not quite encouraging either. If you look at Churches of Christ, since the peak of the, the Churches of Christ around 1990 or so, uh, we have seen 9% of congregations go away, no longer exist. And then we see that 14% of members are no longer part of this, of this organization, of this part of this body, this fellowship that we call the Churches of Christ. That means that over the past 20 or 30 years, hundreds of churches have closed their doors. And on top of that, some quarter of a million people have decided to leave what we know of as the Church of Christ. And what is even more disturbing about all these figures that we see is that they were taken before the impact of the pandemic. So it's fair to assume that there are many, many more people who are disconnected from church, who are disconnected from the religious experience, who are disconnected from this time of gathering on Sunday mornings. And the question we have to ask is why? Why is it that we are in this situation? Why is it over the past 30 or 40 years uh, this has come to be? What was interesting about those Gallup numbers, what I told you about earlier, that half the people say they don't, aren't members of churches before, until about 1990, that number was around 70%. So there was a precipitous drop over the past 20 or 30 years. Some people might blame our society, they may blame our culture, they may blame the hedonism that they see out there today, the selfishness that they see today. But I have to ask, is part of the blame on us? Are we responsible? Do we play a role in the fact that people feel so disconnected from being part of a religious experience that they see no value in it? They see no reason to engage in this lifestyle. That they don't see in us a reason to change their lives for the better. I don't have all the answers to that. But I decided to reach out to someone who spends his time thinking about these things deeply. If you have been at Homewood for a number of years, you may remember the name Todd Boat. Todd came here in the late 1990s after being a missionary in Africa to serve as a campus minister here at Homewood. And after that, he left, uh, he became executive minister here. He now is executive director of an organization called Missions Alive, which is an organization that's dedicated to ch planting churches around the country. Uh, I sat down with Todd and asked him about what he thought, asked him three questions about this situation. I wanted to share that with you this morning. Uh, 
I will give you a word of caution that some of the things you may hear in this conversation may be a little uncomfortable for you. Uh, and there is a brief reference to sexual sin in this conversation, but I think it is something that's worth considering. So I would like you to, to listen to this conversation with Todd Vogt. First of all, Todd, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Uh, we appreciate you being here back at Homewood again. Uh, the first question I wanted to ask you was about church attendance in general. Uh, what do you attribute to the declining church attendance we see in traditional congregations these days? You know, I think, I think there's two things at least that come to mind immediately. Um, the first is boredom. Uh, I think, uh, you know, same-o, same-o, and you do same-o, same-o for a very long time, and at some point people just sort of get bored with it. Um, I think, um, you know, we, we got to ask how many times can we read through the very same book over and over again? And it's not that we don't find fascinating little facts, but we're missing the point of Bible study, uh, sermonizing, you know, small groups, things like that. Um, I think what's happened is we've disconnected our whole kind of whole Bible study and worship experience from life. And it doesn't have a lot to do, particularly for unbelieving people. They, they just don't get, like, wh what's the deal? What's What, what makes this a big deal? Um, I think uh, this disconnect, particularly for unbelieving people, but even for a lot of believing people that have been to church their whole life, they just, um, th this whole disconnection is exacerbated by um, kind of antiquated styles, uh, styles that are no longer kind of the cultural norm. Um, and while that's very familiar and comfortable to many people, for many other people, it's just boring. You know, um, and there's a uh, there's not a sense that this has anything to do with anything beyond just that single event on Sundays. Um, so um, I, I don't really think the issues are biblical versus unbiblical. I think they are more cultural, and we're really arguing for. Well, some people label things as biblical or unbiblical. But that's really just a way of trying to win an argument over their preference versus somebody else's preference. And while they may win the argument, we're losing the war. So um, I think so. I think one of the big reasons is people are just bored. It's just boring to do the same thing over and over for year after year, decade after decade, without it connecting in some obvious way. Um, the second thing is, uh, and we hear this all the time, but I think there is a lot of legitimacy to it, and that is hypocrisy. And, and when I say hypocrisy, um, what I mean is the incongruence between what we say and the um, claims that we make versus what we do and what we practice, right? So, and, and the truth is, so, so here's, my, here's my disclaimer. The truth is, every human being is a hypocrite. We all claim higher values or ideologies than we actually live. It doesn't matter where you are on the right-left spectrum. We're all hypocrites. Now, that becomes much more problematic when, as a church, we're standing on some very key, important, call them ideologies, philosophies, theologies, right? 
And when we claim to kind of hold all that up and yet have such obvious things that our neighbors point to, like, you know, sexual, egregious sexual sin, pedophilia, that, I mean, you know, of course that's stuff out there. And it should be out there, right? It should have a spotlight put on those things. But that just underscores the the disconnect between what we say and what we do. Um I think, uh, you know, the whole, um, at least in, in the way I was raised in this fellowship, but this is not unique to Churches of Christ by a long shot, but we say things like we speak where the Bible speaks and we're silent where it's silent. And I just want to come out and say that's garbage. That is absolute flat out garbage. We speak when it serves our purposes and we are silent when it doesn't serve our purposes. And it, it, it's time because here's the thing it's okay for us to comfort ourselves with that lie but it's the reason why our unbelieving neighbors they listen and they're watching us and they're going that's just nonsense you know you guys are hypocrites you say this but then you don't stand up over here right so um i think there's a real problem a real disconnect between our claims and what we particularly all right, so there, there's a whole political side of this thing, a whole public side, but then there is the part about what kind of neighbor are we to the people that live on either side of us? Are we good neighbors? Do we love and care for our neighbors? Or are we the people that are pain in the neck because we're so uppity or something? So, so there is both the public level of hypocrisy, and then there is this private level where you know we put a cross you know in the window of our car, but then we're a jerk to our neighbors. So. I would say the answer to the question is a combination of boredom and hypocrisy. Your organization, Mission Alive, is primarily deals with planning churches. I'm wondering how this environment affects that whole church planning process now in the 21st century. Because of our growing awareness of kind of North American culture and particularly North American culture in orientation to uh, the Christian faith, uh, it's become increasingly clear to us that the church needs to reappropriate some very ancient traditions, and that is we need to serve our community way better. Um, and I would say that this kind of goes back to the previous question where we, we have become so fixated on Bible study and worship services as the epicenter of the Christian faith we don't really pay on on average most christians don't think a whole lot about how do we serve our community um so the what we're doing is we are planting churches and before they start any kind of spiritual gathering they have to figure out how they're going to serve the community and start serving the community and allow that service to the community course in our language we call that mission they're, they're engaging the mission of god and it then all of the teaching and all of the spiritual formation flows out of the experience of engaging the world in love and service um so um i i would say that one of the answers to your question how, how does that impact church planting is uh we're serving the community uh, not being overly fixated on worship gatherings or worship services or Bible studies, right? Like as if having 
a church that has large numbers on Sunday but does nothing in the community honors God. That doesn't honor God, right? Um, just having big numbers on Sunday is not the end. Um, there's nothing wrong with it. It's not evil to do that. It's just this game that we're involved with, this mission of God is so much bigger than that. Um, and we need to we need to engage on a larger level. The other thing I would say is to allow, and I've already alluded to this, allow spiritual formation to flow out of the self-sacrificial service. Um, allowing the preaching and the teaching and small group uh, Bible studies and whatnot to respond to the realities that are being discovered as people are engaging the community, right? Uh, when, when you spend time there, you're going to inevitably face things that are difficult and unpleasant, and we're going to be driven back to Scripture and ask, how, how does this fit in a world where God is Lord and King? So um, in my understanding, um, Western Christianity has been fairly bibliocentric for at least 500 years. Um, and that is to say that we have allowed the study of Scripture to replace ethical living and um, as the centerpiece or the indicator of, you know, kind of what is the what is the height of the Christian faith, we've allowed Bible study, the intellectual understanding of Scripture, to win out over ethical living within our communities. And I think that that is a real problem. And all of this Bible study, while it's done some amazing things, and we have some people that are tremendously uh, they 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 have a deep deep understanding of scripture. At the same time, we've multiplied forty seven thousand Protestant denominations in five hundred years. I mean, doesn't take a mathematician to realize we're talking about approximately a hundred, just under a hundred new Protestant denominations every single year for five hundred years. And that's driven by people that have their nose in the book, and they come to the conclusion that they understand it better than anybody else. So they go start their own group in order to be the real church. And all the while, nobody's neighbors are being cared for. And yet, when we go back to Jesus and to the first few generations after Jesus, Christians were the ones that were known for really caring for they're but neighbors. They're unbelieving neighbors, Jewish, Roman, Greek, you know. So um, I would say that for Mission Alive, it is serving the community and it is allowing the spiritual formation, the messaging of the gospel to be in response to that service, to that mission. So, so my last question to you is, considering all that, what should churches be doing to be more relevant, to attract those non-believers that they aren't doing now? Okay. So I am going to take issue with the question, okay? And the reason why I take issue with the question is not that it's a bad question. It's just that it is what we would call an anthropocentric question. It's a question that keeps humanity at the center, right? Anthropo, human beings. So, so it is a question that says, I want to please and be attractive to human beings. So what do I have to do? It's sort of a marketing question. 
Um, so it's, it's human centered. And I would prefer us to, uh, what I would say is I would, I would say, focus on the gospels, focus on the life of Jesus and develop practices what in academic circles we call ethics, develop practices that look like Jesus in terms of the way he lived within his community and within his world. Um, and, and remember that Jesus was the one that they called the suffering servant, right, out of Isaiah, the lamb that was led to the slaughter, the prince of peace, uh, the, the, the tender shoot that had no beauty or majesty about him. These are all descriptions of Jesus, the cross carrier, right? These are descriptions of Jesus, but I don't think any one of these would be a, a description that anybody would use of North American churches. That's a problem. When, when we say we follow Jesus and all of the different ways he's described are not ways we would be described we have a disconnect between us and our Lord and Savior. But now, all right, so that was my critique of the question. Let me take the question straight on. Okay. Um, I would say if you want to be relevant to the culture, uh, listen. Listen to the community. L listen to people. Listen to, well, listen to people. Listen to families. Listen to the neighborhood and listen to the community as a whole, right? Listening, and 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 by listening, I'm not talking about we just wait long enough until we can get our word in, right? That's how uh, you know, a lot of us have done it. Now, I'm saying listen with a concerned heart. Listen out of respect for this other human being who was made in the image of God and may not even recognize God, but God loves them. Um, get to know people, get to know families, get to know the neighborhood. Um, and when we get to know people and we listen to people and we learn to care about people, it doesn't uh, totally, it's irrelevant what they believe or what they practice. They could be completely antithetical to Christianity. And yet we should care about them more than they care about themselves. We should care about the members of our community more than their own parents care about them. We should want what's best for them. Not we want what's best for them provided that they agree with our doctrinal positions and then start attending our church on Sunday morning. Jesus never did anything like that. So so my, my short answer to that question, well, well, now that I've already given you my long answer, my short answer is listen and care. Listen and care. Uh, thank you so much for uh, sharing your thoughts with us this morning, and uh, hopefully you'll be able to uh, be a home winning person again soon. Yeah, that'd be fun. I'd love it. Thank you, Todd. You bet. Take care. I know that was a little lengthy, but I thought it was important to hear what he had to say. And you may not agree with everything he said, but I think it's something worth considering as we consider how we avoid being a church of the walking dead. Uh, for the record, I don't believe that we are one, but I think it's easy for us to fall into that if we allow ourselves to. And I don't say that because I serve here, I say that because I stay here. I stay at a church that I believe has a desire to do God's work here on earth. I stay at a church that I believe cares about doing good. And I believe I stay at a church that cares about following what Jesus asks us to do. So 
with that in mind, were some suggestions to make sure that we don't become a Church of the Walking Dead? I can offer three of them at least. One of them is something that we see every day, every Sunday when we walk out of these doors and go down and get a cup of coffee and we walk right past it, but I'm not sure we pay attention to it, and that is to live differently. Along the walls toward the, uh, toward the Family Life Center back there, we see that there are seven signs that have gone up that are supposed to be the next steps in our desire to live out our Vision 23, uh, Vision 2030 rather. And one of those is to live differently. And what does that mean? Brett's talked about this before, but what it means is being different from those around us. I would ask you, if you were to ask one of your friends or one of your coworkers or somebody you go to school with, is there something different about you? What would they say? It requires us being able to live a life of Christ, not only here on Sunday mornings, but throughout the week. And it could be just as simple as being kind to people, being gracious to people, being considerate of others, being thoughtful about other people's feelings. Those are just the steps of being able to live differently in the world. It doesn't take a lot. Small steps mean a lot going forward. So are we living differently? when we're around those who don't believe in Christ. The second thing that I would suggest is that we listen to the Spirit. Uh, Todd talked a little bit about spiritual formation in this, and we've talked about spiritual formation around here as well. Uh, but the ability to be able to hear what God is telling us through the Holy Spirit. Uh, in the next few days, we'll be starting 40 days of prayer here, which is an opportunity for us to help develop our spiritual formation in a way that deals with our life of prayer. But when you think about prayer, we have to think about prayer as not just talking to God, but listening to God, hearing what he is telling us through scripture, through nature, sometimes through silence. Those are things that we have to remember that builds our spiritual formation as we move forward in this world and become more like Christ. The third suggestion that we can do is for us to become disciples, to engage in discipleship, to disciple others. Uh, that sounds tough. That sounds like a lot for us. Uh, but it lives into our vision 2030. And I suspect that if I asked most of you what to recite to me what Vision 2030 is here, you would have a hard time doing it. And frankly, I have some times that it's tricky for me to do it too. But it is kingdom devoted disciples making disciples of nations and generations. That is what we are called to do to fulfill our Vision 2030. Discipling others can be something that's hard to get our arms around. What does that mean? How do we do that? As Brett alluded to, he'll be talking more about that in the weeks ahead in his series coming up, so that's a chance for us to kind of get a better sense of what that means, being a disciple of Christ. And also, our Connections Minister, Chris Richardson, has some ideas and some thoughts about ways that we can disciple others that he is implementing around here and he wants to engage with you in. So if you have a desire to want to know how to disciple others, what that means, we are here to help support you with that and to give you the tools necessary to allow you to do that. But all those things are to allow us to not be a Church of the Walking Dead. And I pray that that is something that we do not do because I believe 
that is something we don't want to do. When we talk about devotion, though, uh, one of the things, one of the symbols of our devotion is how we remember Jesus and his death and burial and resurrection. We're about to take communion now. And if uh, you did not have a communion packet when you walked in, if you would raise your hand, there are those around here who will be able to help distribute those communion packets to you so that you can share in that ceremony right now. I think it's easier for us to engage in being a disciple of Christ when we take to heart the sacrifice that he made for us. That he came to earth for the remission of our sins. He died and bled and suffered as God for us. And keeping that in mind, I think allows us to make sure that we remember that that sacrifice is essential to our salvation. And that our remembering it helps us to realize how important that is. And for us to try to live up to the sacrifice he made for us. So as we think about that, let us pray over the cup and the bread. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you thanking you for the sacrifice that you've made for us, for giving your only son to us to die on the cross that we may be free of our sins here on earth. We pray that you will allow us to understand that sacrifice and to live as if every day that we remember that sacrifice and what it's meant for us. Now be with us as we take this bread and take this cup. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The bread and the cup. Another sign that I don't believe that we are a church of the walking dead is our generosity and how we give to the cause of this congregation and the work that it tries to do. Last week when Brett was up here, he talked about the fact that we were $35,000 short of our budget for 2022. Uh, but I am pleased to tell you that you have once again come through and your generosity has let us go far beyond that $35,000 to make sure that we have now broken even for this year and beyond. So thank you for that. It allows us to continue our work because this discipleship stuff isn't easy and doesn't necessarily cheap, but it's something that allows us to do what we think that keeps this church relevant, keeps this church vibrant, keeps this church an example of God's work here on earth. 
So we want to thank you for that. If you are a member here, we uh, encourage you to continue your giving into 2023. Uh, if you are a member, you'll have the opportunity to give in the uh, four-year also. We have online giving as well. Uh, but thank you for what you've done for this 2022, and we ask you to continue to think about that as you go into 2023. As we wrap up this morning, I wanted to share a little story with you uh, to talk about, and it deals with a, it comes from the book, uh, Spiritually Healthy Emotionalism from uh, Peter Scazzaro, and it comes from a book, he quotes the story from a book called The Song of the Bird. Uh, a farmer found an eagle's egg in a field, and he decided to take it to his farm and put the egg in the nest of one of his barnyard hens. The eagle hatched with the other chicks and began to live a life as a chicken. He would uh, scratch and claw the ground looking for insects and worms to eat. He would cackle and make chicken noises. He would uh, jump up and down, kind of flutter his wings and ju just hop about, maybe jump into the air a few feet. That was the life he lived. He lived the life of a chicken. One day, as he was growing old, having lived this life, he looked up and saw a magnificent bird in the sky. The bird was flying through the clouds effortlessly, soaring his wings, looking for all the world to be this majestic creature in the sky. And the eagle on the ground looked up to his neighbor and said, who is that? And his neighbor said, well, that's an eagle. He is the king of birds. He is of the sky. We are of the earth. We are chickens. And the eagle lived his whole life being a chicken because that's what he thought he was. Jesus wants us to be eagles. Jesus wants us to soar with our faith, to make that display to the world of who we are, and why his sacrifice was not only for us, but for the entire world. So as we go into 2023, I would ask that we consider how we can become not the Church of the Walking Dead, but the church of those whose faith soars like eagles. If you are interested in uh, talking to one of our shepherds, one would be up here to talk to you about it. If you have a prayer request for them, they're willing to take it. If you want to be baptized in the Christ this morning, we are happy to make that happen as well. Uh, there's also going to be a shepherd back in, room, in uh, the chapel area if you want to have a more private setting. Uh, I want to thank you for listening this morning. I want to thank you for being here. I want to wish you all a great 2023. It is a pleasure and honor for me to serve you, and I look forward to doing so again in 2023. Now let us stand and sing.